It's been a busy weekend of motorsport, um, primarily uh, lots of action happening at Silverstone with F2 and F3 in action and quite some interesting races there, but we've also been racing in the US, racing in Italy, racing in Japan, and there's barely any time to stop before we're racing again next weekend. But let's focus on this past weekend. I'm Bethany Waring. I'm here with Alejandro Alonso Lopez and Ida Wood to talk about um, the amazing weekend of motorsport we have just had. Uh, start with Silverstone because I feel like that's where most of everything happened. Uh, Alejandro, how, how was the weekend? Yeah, it's been definitely a great weekend. As you said, lots of action happened at Silverstone. We had there on track Formula 2 for FIA Formula 3 and W Series as well. I mean, Formula 2 is, was a great weekend, definitely, for, for Logan starting to claim his maiden pole position in, in the series and then also went on to win the feature race today with a very solid performance keeping it under control in every moment. Theo Boucher, there were some moments it seemed that Theo could get close to him, but he, Logan at the end of the race opened a little bit the gap again and, and crossed the, the finish line in, in first place. And then in FIA Formula 3, again, Carlin was very, very strong with Zach Sullivan on taking pole position on Friday and finishing second today. The win was, of course, for Arthur Leclerc, Charles Leclerc's little brother, who had a, a very good race. He had already gone ahead of Sullivan at, at, in the opening lap, but safety car was out and he had to give back the position. But once the, once the race restarted again, he soon could pass uh, O'Sullivan and then from then onwards he controlled the race from the lead and we had a very very intense battle for for last for second and third at the area at the very end with Zach O'Sullivan and, and Jack Crawford coming millimeters apart from over the over the finish line and that's been the the biggest of of it in W Series, it was again uh, a dominant weekend for, for Jamie Chawi, who claimed again another pole position and, and another race win. Yeah, it was um, definitely a, a great weekend for the Chadwick and a great weekend for Sargent. I think his um, victory was probably a little bit overshadowed by what happened at the start of the race. Um, a mega crash for Roy Nassani and Halga, major major crash for those two drivers. Um, Nissani was deemed to be at fault, uh, has been handed a pe uh, grid penalty for the next race, and I think it's three penalty points. He's still a way off of getting an automatic race ban, but there's been lots of rumbles over whether he deserves more than a race ban. Nissani's not made his life easy in his Formula 2 career so far. It's been, he's been, he's had his fair share of incidents, let's put it that way. He's had a long Formula 2 career, long um, junior series career, so obviously he's going to have some incidents, but that one was the dramatic style of the 
of the crash maybe drew more people's attention. Um, how how do you see how that how that where that fault lay? lay? Yeah, I mean, it was a very rainy, sunny section. I must say. I mean, we've seen very another similar in, incident involving Nissani this season with him pushing off the track. I think it was back then. Uh, Richard Besho, perhaps in Bahrain, one of the races or something. Like that. I cannot remember properly to be fair, but we had Nissani Cal causing trouble earlier this year and we had again today he at the exit of of Stowe he pushed Hauger onto the grass and then Hauger went over the south stitch curve and crashed into into Nissan's car who was making the corner at, at that point. And yeah thankfully the uh, the halo as you said stopped the the seedway prevented the situation from becoming worse because you know the, the plank hit a bit Nissan's helmet, Hauger's plank hit Nissan's helmet as Hauger's car went on top of, of Nissan's car. So yeah, definitely they, they need to do, to do something. And it's not because we have kind of something against Roy because he's, he's a really nice guy. Every time I've come across him, it has been really nice. But, on track is is terrible. I mean, he keeps doing very dangerous actions, and that needs to be stopped because it's not that one time you are desperate to hold on to the, the position you are in and, and do something a bit too much over the limit, but it's something that happens way too often and cannot be ignored by race direction and force. By the, by the championship itself. I don't, I don't know if you managed to see the accident, but any thoughts on, on you've followed Nisani's career so far, any thoughts on the reaction to what's happened? I, I think it's quite reasonable that people have immediately questioned whether he should be on the S2 grid in light of a very big crash where he, you know, he could have lost his life and then it's almost a bit odd to suddenly going like all oh, the punishment for that incident should have been worse given the punishment could have been death. But he has proven many times that he's a really bad racer, just full stop. I've spoken to a few drivers before privately where they, there's been like discussions about the Williams Junior Academy and whether certain drivers should be in it. Um, Nasani being one of them. And people know that Nasani can be quick. He proved it in Formula Renault 3.5. He has proved it on occasion in a bad car in F2, but they also go like, he's an absolute idiot when it comes to wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing. You, you can't trust him. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that at this point in his career, he's one of those drivers who pays to fill a seat in F2. Like, he's not going to go to F1. He's not going to go to IndyCar. He's very much a, a mobile chicane, you could call him. So, yeah, I think it's to totally fine or totally in reason that that people have immediately questioned whether he should even be on the grid after this incident yeah it's it's he's a name that comes up a lot um i guess the most important thing is that the the incident didn't cost him his life but i i get i completely understand a lot of people's questioning over whether he should be on um be at the 
at the next race. But it wasn't all doom and gloom, like you say. It was uh, uh, like you said, Alejandro. It's a win for Sargent and a win for Dewan. Um, it looked a lot in the f- first race like it was going to be. It was kind of Davavala's race to lose and um, lose it. He did. It seemed to be a. The tyres weren't really playing to him, it seemed like. And with the changeable weather conditions at Silverstone this weekend, I guess um, it wasn't really his weekend. How how can you talk through that race? Yeah, well, it wasn't Darvala's weekend and it wasn't Aedes Hauge's weekend. So we could say that it wasn't Prima's weekend, weekend at all. I mean, they had a very average qualifying and then of course Darvala started race one from reverse grip pole but um I don't know it seemed that kind of those who were at the very front at the beginning of the race like Shehan Darubala and Jerry Pips dropped back massively throughout the race and yeah of course uh, I don't know what really happened it seemed that tires were gone for them perhaps something related relating setup or, or something as, as we saw massive differences between drivers in terms of, of pace. We had a very strong answer of Ipaldi indeed at the, at the beginning and, and then drop back, dropping back a bit after a mistake, he lost the lead to Jack Duhan and then Duhan was at the front and at the very end he was losing a lot of time with uh, Ayumu Iwasa closing on him. So as drivers pointed out after the race. I think it was a matter of how they they approached the race with setup and and how and when to push, you know, because uh, some drivers pushed so hard, especially Darubala who opened a small gap at least in the, in the early laps and, and then dropped back and same happened kind of same happened to, to Enzo Fittipaldi. And others who were more calm in those three, four first laps, and then went on to, on to push and, and gain positions. So perhaps the way Darvala approached the race, the way Yuri Bibbs approached the race, and and some others affected them. So yeah, and it, it was still a great race. You know, we had lots of overtaking, lots of on track action. And, and as I, if I'm, don't, I'm not wrong, I think I'm not wrong on this. We had little, very few incidents on, in, on that first race. So it was indeed a, a good one in terms of, of racing standards. And that, that proves somehow that when they want, they can, can do a, a good job, of course, Formula 2 drivers. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was kind of similar in F3. It was very early in the morning, though, so I might be wrong. It was like race one was quite um, fine. And then race two, it was kind of like they realised that they didn't have a race to do tomorrow. So let's all go a bit, go a bit mental. But it was, um, uh, like you say, Arthur Leclerc who came out on top of that. Uh, I think we we decided that we can't do our what's happened to Prima feature after this race weekend because Prima have kind of figured out, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be winning this, after this past weekend with Leclerc taking the victory and Oli Beerman was um, 
not too far behind in a very close battle with Oliver Sullivan, who it, it reminded me very much of a Janetta Junior race, just how they came across the line there. But um, so Prima, uh, is this a sign of good things to come for Prima in F3? I don't really know. I mean, we will have to, to wait and see the fact that we have been just, I think we are four rounds into the championship. Well, it's, I think, nine rounds or, or so. So there aren't too many rounds at all. But the, the fact that we have, we are just a few rounds into, into the championship, I think there is not a clear pattern on, on terms of performance. Of course, we are seeing that Prema is not dominating the way they have been in, in previous years, which is quite surprising. And that's perhaps why we are saying, oh, what's happening to Prema and, and all that. But I think it's great the fact that all the other teams ha are fighting at the top as well. I, I think that's very positive from, for the championship and regarding Prema's performance. I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty happy not to see them dominating, to be honest, because we, we get to see many drivers battling for, for victories, which I think is is very good for the for the championship and very good for, for drivers indeed, because people more people get to know them. I mean, and when there is just one winning, the, the fans focus on, on that one. So this year, lots of drivers get get lots of exposure which which I think is is good and we will see indeed at the at the Red Bull ring what, what happens um, because you know Red Bull ring is very different track to, to Silverstone and um, well it, it has some high speed corners as well in, in the second sector but there are also very low speed corners in, in the first sector and, and towards the end of the day of the lab so especially in the first sector. So we'll see if if the order there changes or if Prema can can stay on top and then we can say they've recovered a bit the the, the ground lost in, in the early rounds of this twenty twenty two championship. Uh, Leclerc still leave, um, leaves Silverstone six points behind Victor Martins, who got a second place in that sprint race. Um, couldn't quite get ahead of Isaac Hadjar and uh, seventh place in the second race of the weekend. Um, Leclerc wasn't the only um, Prima driver who was um, enjoying the top step of the podium. I'll come to Isaac now. We had a... Um, uh, a, a very unexpected winner in Italian F4. Um, it was one man on the top step of the podium and one of those, one, one of uh, another fantastic weekend for him. Can you tell us what, what went on in Italian F4? Yeah, it was uh, pretty much the, the same as the Spa-Francorchamps weekend was either Antonelli was half a second faster than anyone else in qualifying or in the races he got challenged on that one and then just obliterated everyone after that I, he won he won all three races he led every single lap this weekend he took fastest lap in all three races and took pole position he topped both three practice sessions 
And then I think we had three pre-event test sessions and he topped one or two of those maybe, but just totally, totally unstoppable. And, and even odder was that, I don't know if it's because of how short he is or because of how young he is, but like his physiology is not an adult physiology yet. And he was really struggling physically with uh, this weekend's schedule and particularly the heat at Valadunga. So he was suffering, and it, but he was quicker than anyone else. One thing really notable with this performance, and it, he didn't necessarily win every race by like 10 seconds, but he would find the pace before anyone else would. So he'd be lapping in the one minute 34s when everyone else was still in the one minute 36s yet to get into the one minute 35s. And when they finally got to the one minute 35s, he was already on time management mode, just holding it and holding it and holding it until he got to the end of the race where he'd then go on low fuel for the fastest lap again and go even quicker. So he was just in another world this weekend. And when he gets out of the car as well, he's like the most, not necessarily the most relaxed driver because there's a lot of excitement there, but the most like in the zone, he's so relaxed in like a comfortable way. And you don't really see drivers like that at this level, particularly with like the pressures they're under. So he, he's in like a Zen, a Zen mode antimony. Andrea Kimi Antoseni or something like that. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I can describe from that weekend because everything else was either just drivers crashing into each other or absolutely failing to catch up with him. Uh, he, he definitely just looked like a star of the future. And I mean, just looking at the list, those aren't, those aren't slow drivers. Um, Rafaela, Rafael Kamara's um, P2, and then we've got Alex Dunn in P3. And I know from Corinne Butterchef for Alex Dunn isn't a slow, isn't a slow person. So um, it's definitely an definitely an exciting, exciting one to watch. Uh, we also had racing in the US. Um, Indy Lights. It wasn't Linus Lundqvist winning. It was Hunter Nick. Hunter McAway um, took, took the win, got a good start, and then just dominated that race pretty much. Um, Lundqvist slipped back towards the beginning and finished P two, finished P three, sorry, behind um, behind um, Matt Brabham, who came up to finish second. So it doesn't. It's definitely still Lundqvist's championship to championship to lose but um he's not he's not doing uh Antonelli quite quite yet and then we had uh Indie Pro 2000 and US 2000 were also both in action it was a Louis Foster took a win in Indie Pro 2000 and I think Elder you caught most of the rest of the action over in America yeah, I, I stayed up until two in the morning in a Nuremberg youth hostel watching Road to Indy action, because why not? Um, yeah, in, Indy Pro was quite interesting because we had drivers who I think had saved tyres from earlier in the weekend. And when they got to race two on Saturday, some of them had significantly fresher tyres than others. And you could see that in the pace towards the end of the race. Um, but overall, it was pretty much the same names on top uh, we had even Sundara Morphy doing quite well in uh, perhaps racing car Foster obviously one race one and very quick in race two as well and then uh, Kiko Porto the deep forced racing driver he did really well in race two 
he's struggled so far until this week. I think he didn't have any podiums at all prior to coming to Mid-Ohio. And he won the USF 2000 title last year. But something seemed to click this weekend. And he, not only was he just, like, really quick, but his racecraft was totally, totally, like, squeaky clean, absolutely on it. Did everything he needed to do to hold off Foster in race two. And I think they were separated by three or four tenths of, like, 11 laps in a row. So that was the battle that like, could have very easily either ended up in a crash or Foster shooting past him and going off for another win. But he managed to hold him off, so that was really impressive. Then USF 2000, uh, Miles Rowe and Michael D'Orlando. Uh, Orlando's Cape Motorsports and Rowe's Paps Racing. And they've basically been yo-yoing like, the title battle between each other. So one of them wins a race, and the other wins a race, and one of them, etc. And the points leaders just being like going between the two. Uh, this weekend, I'd say Rowe is a stronger driver, um, but it was almost the same issue as Italian F4. Is if they're not in first or second places and they're in the midfield, they end up getting caught in incidents, which ruins their race and causes a big points cut. The Orlando had that in race one, I think was it race two, uh, where he got involved and then he ended up uh, going a lap down early on and finished like 14th and that gave Rowe a big lead. But then later on the weekend, the Orlando got a win back and it was in Italian F4. Kamara, I think he got a puncture in one race. A lot of noise in the airport. Uh, Alex Dunn, second, third round in a row now, or third F4 round, including ADAC, where he's like lost a front wing or... or got involved in a midfield accident on lap one or lap two when he's had the pace to fight for second or third place and he's cost himself like 25, 30 points just from that. So similar in USF 2000 Indy Pro, D Orlando threw away points, but you know, on pace, those two were the stars of the field. And today, like just being announced that Cape Motorsports is going into Indy Lights. So for D Orlando, who's been Cape for several years now, that's a clear critique career trajectory clear career trajectory where he's going like it's pretty obvious he's aiming for a cape motorsports and he likes seat in 2024 and with Rowe, he's backed by pence which owns indy cars so um if he doesn't win the road to indy scholarship then i'm sure they'll find a way to get him into indy pro 2000 so two of those stars who, who aren't quite like antonelli levels of oh my god like he's the future but Really, really impressive drivers who definitely deserve to be at the higher levels already. Yeah, I'll just say Ida is in an airport because um, she doesn't stop for five minutes. I suppose, suppose you're not cycling home from Germany, but but there we go. Um, I That was the majority of the racing this weekend. I think there was also some stuff in Japan. Um, did you please say you watched that as well? Yeah, watched that. Uh, Formula Regional Japanese Championship. So we had eight cars, which was, I think, the same as last weekend. We also had eight cars. Uh, former W Series star Miki Koyama just dominated. Was fastest by like six temps in Q1, eight temps in Q2, one race one by like 10 seconds, one race two, I think, by four. And then in race three, the margins were like 24 seconds, 40, one minute 20. Because uh, on lap three, there was a crash between three of the only drivers who could actually compete with her. Uh, so we lost that element of the race. Um, but again, she's a driver who's been at that level for four years now, I think. 
maybe even five. And uh, same as Chadwick, like, yeah, you're winning in a Formula Regional Series, but you've driven that car a lot. And there's not much, or a car of that level a lot. There's not really much really to prove when you're against a grid, which is full of so many inexperienced drivers. Uh, we actually had one debuting this weekend from Super FJ, which is like the series below FIA Formula 4 in Japan. Uh, kind of feeds into uh, JAF Japan F4. So big jump to go out to Formula Regional. And he was on the pace straight away. I think that just kind of shows how uncompetitive the championship is, sadly. But that's Formula Regional for you. I think so that was all the racing this weekend. Um, it barely stops before we're racing again next weekend. Formula One being gone, we'll be um, covering all their support series and a bunch of Formula Four series likely. And But um, in the meantime, I think we've got some features coming out. I want to say mid-season data, but um, that's more, um, more either's Ida's cup of tea or whatever they drink in Germany. So um, what, what have we got to look forward to? We've got absolutely loads. Uh, I was finally doing the mid-season data stuff today uh, in the stadium at FC Nuremberg in the lower stands, which is kind of crazy. Um, that's basically just taking the long run data, the single lap pace, uh, tire compounds and all that kind of stuff from Formula 2 and FIA Formula 3 try and get that feature out midweek. The data I managed to process in between things going on today was up to Baku and very interesting conclusions so far on who's quick and who's not. Uh, as, as usual, it doesn't reflect the, the points system that much. Uh, we've also got our usual kind of post weekend reaction piece to the F2 slash F3 round at Silverstone. Um, there's lots to talk about from from that event, as we've, as we've already mentioned in this podcast. Obviously, we kind of mentioned earlier with this Premier F3 piece we were planning that's kind of long been in the works. We could publish it. We could tease that we could publish it with a load of revisions now that um, not only that Premier finally won, but also Arthur Leclerc message does some useful info to, to add as context. Uh, we've also got a piece on Juan Pablo Montoya and Rubens Barrichello supporting their sons in Formula Regional. Then, uh, if we've got room this week, a scout report on Rafael Kamara, uh, an interview with the guys behind Formula Regional India and the Indian F4 Championship, who are also behind Mumbai Falcons team and therefore support Kush Miney and FIA Formula 3. And... If we have even more room after that, because it's a really, really packed schedule before we're off to the Rebel Ring, uh, an interview with Victor Martins, not about his FIA Formula 3 title battle, actually about his Victory Lane uh, management company who looks after Vlad Lomko in Euro Formula and has its own karting team in the French Karting Championship. Had a long chat with him and his brother about that and kind of the work they do to help drivers while also being involved in like the upward bit of their career themselves. Um, so, yeah. Lots and lots and lots of features. Not much time before we have to go to the next events and also get a load of university work done. So I think that's um, pretty much everything from this week. We should get to writing because, uh, like I just said, there's a lot to do before the before the next round of racing. Um, looking forward to the summer break, but um, there's, there's racing in the summer break, so the summer break doesn't really exist. So I'll say goodbye now and see you next time for another Formula Scout podcast.
Adiós. Bye. Thank you for listening.